0: Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis.
1: Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership.
0: So welcome.
1: What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode two of the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trish. And if you missed our first episode, where we talked about lessons that we learned from failure, go back and listen to it. But we talked about how... In 2021, Trish and I recorded a number of different podcast episodes with social media influencers and authors and business leaders and just had real and honest conversations with the anticipation of releasing the podcast last September. And things did not work out that way. We had some tragedy and some different things that happened in our life personally that delayed the launch of this podcast until two weeks ago. One of the interviews that we did was with our good friend, Jeff Henderson. And Jeff is the founder of The Four Company. He's also an author of now two books. Uh, The first one was the book called Four. And that's the book that we actually reference in this podcast episode. But one of the most helpful books that he just released a couple of weeks ago is a book called What to Do Next. And in the midst of the church closing and the transition that Trish and I were in, Jeff sent us an early release copy of this book, and you guys, it drastically, uh, it just helps so much, and it met us right where we are. So if you're in a season of transition, I cannot recommend this book enough. It's called What to Do Next. We'll put the link to it in the show notes. But this episode is really a conversation with Jeff. He's a former staff member at North Point Ministries. He's a former executive of Chick-fil-A. He's also the founder of The Four Company. And I think you're going to be blessed as we talk about transition, as we talk about getting real with how God prompts us and moves in our lives, even in ways that we can't see or understand. So enjoy episode two of the Let's Get Real podcast with Jeff Henderson. Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for being with us today. We're super excited to just have you on the Let's Get Real podcast. And it's a relatively new podcast for us. And we're excited because um you have just played such a huge role in our life and our leadership, uh, even in our marriage relationship. You've just been such a, a huge encourager to us.
0: We're a little bit like Jeff Henderson stalkers. Like anytime we know you're near <laughs> exactly, us, we're like,
1: Oh, Jeff speaking 35 minutes away. Hey, Jeff, do you have time for dinner?
0: <laughs> and to know Jeff, you are an encouraging, well, you're a friend to everyone. You are a mentor to, to many. And we just, we love every time we're with you, you're such an encourager. Uh, we would love just for you to take a moment to just uh, share a little bit about who you are, your family, what you're up to these days.
2: Absolutely. Well, Wendy and I will be married 25 years uh, next October. And so quarter of a century. So one of us is getting older. And uh, we had a daughter, Jesse. She's 21 and uh, son Cole. He, he will be 19 in October as well. And uh, just lovely there in Birmingham at Sanford University and um, a group of preachers kid promised myself I'd never go work at a church so went into marketing and and advertising Uh, but then Wendy and I uh, 17 years ago actually left Chick-fil-a to help launch eventually three churches in the Atlanta area and I love that season and then I've since transitioned to be more speaker, author, consultant um, in this new season so um, empty nesting so uh, Wendy's able to uh, uh, travel with me when we can. And uh, so this is a new season for us, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's awesome. it's great. We we're trying to figure out what to do with this empty nesting marriage.
0: Well, I I call your season a uh, faux empty nesting because you just get in a rhythm of ept- empty nesting and kind of doing your own thing. And then they come home for <laughs> break. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, oh, and then you, then you like enjoy them and then they leave again and then you miss them for, but the missing gets smaller and smaller. And then you're like, when does semester start again? So
1: (laughs) you used to work for my all-time favorite restaurant, Chick-fil-A.
2: Look at that product brand placement that they're showing now.
1: wish that this podcast was brought to you by (laughs) Chick-fil-A.
2: Work on that. Like you mentioned,
1: 17 years ago, um, you... Get, get into this season where, and, and I'm, we're going to talk about your book in a little bit, but in the book, you say, you know, somebody, um, you know, emailed you and said, hey, why don't you come work for us at, at North Point? Talk mm-hmm. about that process of just, you know, kind of most people would aspire to be in marketing at a company like Chick-fil-A and really the only more spiritual place in the world to work. Would be North Point, other than Chick Fil A. <laughs> That's the only right. place closer to Jesus that you can actually get. But right. talk about that—just that process that you went through to deciding to leave, you know, kind of the marketplace and move into vocational ministry.
2: Sure. And I think that this is a big question in terms of whether it's a career relationship decision. How do you make these big decisions? And and we just made another one. So transitioning to this new season, and um, you know, I think you've got to balance the wisdom and wise counsel with. God intervening in your life and I w- what started for me was actually 20 years ago when my boss David Sayers at Chick-fil-A invited me to a leadership conference at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago mm-hmm. I never even heard of Willow Creek so you know going to this conference and these communicators are talking about the church should be the the best well run place on the planet and mission and leadership and strategy. And I thought, wait, well, hold on time. out. Can we do this in the church? Cause I knew we could do it in the business world. I just didn't know mm-hmm. it was legal <laughs> to do this in the church. And I was just blown away because so much of the stuff that drew me to the business world, I'm like, Oh gosh, I think you could actually do this in the church world. And the, at that conference, I felt like God just spoke to me and said, you're going to start a church someday. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. So came home, Talked to Wendy and I said, Hey, this is crazy. I mean, Jesse was, you know, really young at the time and was just a little baby. And um, I said, I think God spoke to me, or it was all the Malnati's deep dish pizza I ate. That has the
0: power to do that for sure. So,
2: and I said, I think we're supposed to help start a church today. So she goes, Hey, if you think that's what God's calling us to do, I'm in. So that began a three year journey to just getting involved at North Point. We weren't even going to North Point at the time. So, fast forward, that really um, through, you know, providential, um, you know, you do what you do and you faithful little things. I mean, I signed up and started serving in the nursery. I mm-hmm. signed up and started serving in the parking lot, uh, signed up and started to serve as a starting point leader, which was a small group environment for people who were exploring their faith. And in that environment, just amazing things started happening and North Point kind of took notice of it. And then a friend of mine, John Woodall said, Hey, why don't you come work for us? And that was the beginning point. And uh, and then we, we, North Point was about to go multi-site, so we jumped on board and eventually became the lead pastor at Buckhead Church, which was North Point's first multi-site, and then uh, left there eight years after launching their building to launch two churches in Gwinnett County, which Wendy and I are from. We're from Gwinnett County, which okay. is a northern county in, in, in north of Atlanta. So we, we were able to launch two church. My dad launched a <clears throat> pastor to church in, in Gwinnett County as well years ago. So, so that, was, that, was, that was fantastic. But the decision really, in any, anything like this, you know, the, the scriptures teach that without advisors, plans fail. And so we got a group of advisors around us in each big decision, leaving Chick-fil-A, leaving Buckhead, and leaving Gwinnett, and including Wendy's parents. Uh, my mom on this past uh, decision, my dad passed away six years ago. Uh, He would have obviously been a big part of this decision. And you try to look at wise counsel and go, what do you think? Do we have a green light? But even when you get a green green light, there's still this, you have to take a deep breath and go, okay, here we go. You know, know, leaving a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company to go start a church where the preacher is going to be on video is crazy. Um, But it's when you follow God, it's crazy good. And um, so, but you just got to be, and there's always risk. I mean, who knows if this will work? Who knew if Buckhead Church worked? Who would know that knew that Gwinnett Church worked? Will this current season work? I I think that's part of the journey we're on, you know.
0: Well, and even in your season of uh, those different transitions, you even mentioned this in the book that we're going to get to. We probably should just mention it because we keep saying the book, Um, (laughs) but. even in that season, you went from, what was it, like the campus that you were at or thousands of people. And then you go to plant a next campus and it's just like, you count your kids and (laughs) you know, like there's so many, yeah, so many leadership lessons, just even in that season.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, one of my favorite verses is, is do not despise the days of humble beginnings. And, uh, and not everybody wants to have, you know, early humble beginnings. I mean, you guys are starters. I mean, you're great leaders, but you're starters too. And not everybody's wired to be a starter. Sometimes I wish I wasn't wired to be a starter, Uh, you know, uh, but you go, okay, we've gone from thousands to four people. And, um, but you have to see things of what God's called you to and, and don't miss, this is an old adage, but don't miss the joy along the way. Um, don't get so focused on how this isn't working exactly like I thought, or I thought we'd be further ahead. Don't miss the moments because as I've done this, the greatest memories tend to be in those struggling early startup days. Mm. Yeah,
1: man, I thought that this was, I thought you were coming on here for other people. i maybe you just came on here just for (laughs) me today. (laughs) For those that may be listening that don't really know the ins and outs of the church world, I mean, North point where you were on staff. of the biggest churches in the country Um, there's not probably a better leader or a more well-respected leader in the world than andy stanley and just what not only what he's built but just the the legacy that he comes from the legacy that he's leaving behind for most pastors that is the pinnacle that is the epicenter of where you would want to arrive and achieve here you are, you're on the executive team, you're communicating, you're helping set direction, you're inspiring people in the way that you're leading not just one campus, but then your campus launched a campus, which is actually really unheard of in church multiplication. How did you, obviously, I know you have the advisors, but just talk about the faith journey or talk about the process by which you're like, you know what, I'm gonna walk away from all this and start something new. Like, what was that um, process like? And and maybe in, in the midst of a pandemic, you do this. Like, you didn't resign from... North Point before the pandemic, you resigned in the middle of the pandemic. And so trying to start something in general is hard, starting something when the world is shut down. Uh, Talk about that.
2: Yeah, someone call it crazy, (laughs) but uh, I feel like, you know, you you can't be, and please hear me say this, I'm not being flippant when I say this, but these are the moments when the greater stories are are written, Mm -hmm. Uh, when the economy's booming and everybody's healthy and everything's great. Should you make a move absolutely but sometimes God says no, this is going to be a greater greater story and uh, I can't tell you how many times people have called me and said, "Can I talk to you because I feel like I would need to leave the business world to do to launch a church or whatever and um, so I, I'm hoping my, my story provides courage for people not to do something flippant but if they um, if they feel like this is what God's calling them to do the the most the the most dangerous or the biggest risk when God says go your greatest risk is not to go your greatest risk is to stay not that God's going to punish you you're just going to miss out when God says go and you stay and you're oh I got all these reasons why I can't so God I'm going to fear the pandemic over you well, when that happens the pandemic becomes your God and God doesn't that's mm-hmm. not that's not what a place I want to be in. But for this particular situation, and I think every decision, there's some principles that you can lean into, but every decision is a little bit different because the circumstances are different. One of the things that began the conversation for us is when our son Cole was, we knew that he was going to graduate from college and we would become an empty nester. And when I met with my personal advisory board, like 18 months before that happened, right? So this is a decision that we didn't just come up with like a few weeks. This was a year and a half. One of the guys said, hey, what are you thinking about your empty nesting season? And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not really thinking anything of it. And he said, well, you, you need to be asking God, what do, you, what do you want me to do in this season? Because it's going to be a different season for you. What do you think? And, and you know, I began to wonder, and, we, and I began to wonder my aging out of a lead pastor campus pastor role. I never want to, one of my other mentors said, I'd rather stay, I'd rather leave a year too early than a day too late. Good. And um, so that began a process of, what, and then they said, "Pay attention to what the Lord is doing." So when I wrote this book, it was primarily a business book um, because I feel like I can talk to both worlds. I can talk to the church world, but I can talk to the business world because I've lived in both of those worlds. And too often, I feel like churches and businesses don't really talk to one another. Um, and I thought, I, I think I can live in both worlds. So I went on a twenty-five city business breakfast tour where I would typically preach on a Sunday and then do the business breakfast on Monday. And it wasn't anything like, here's what the Bible has to say about work. It was, we're going to talk about two questions that grow your business, ready, set, go. And it was purely marketing, purely advertising, purely growth about growing your business. And afterwards for two hours at every single tour stop, Trish and Justin, business people would stop and and talk to me. And some would say, I've got a question about business and others would say, can you pray for me? And I remember telling Wendy, I think this is it. I think this is the pathway. Um, I think God's calling us to be a light to the business world. And I don't know what that looks like. Um, but I think we gotta follow the journey. And so we began to have conversations with North Point. And I mean, you know, this was a long journey ahead because we love love it. And the challenge too when you make a decision like this, it's easier if you hate your job and you don't like the people you work with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But when You love your job and you love the people you work with. It makes it very, very hard. And we went through a grieving process on each of these moves Mm. because we love the people and we love the work. But that's what I, what i told Gwinnett church staff in particular, I said, this is the price we pay to follow God in this particular situation. It's not necessarily the role. It's not necessarily the work it's leaving you. Um, That's our biggest price to pay but I would want, in fact, uh, uh, Shelly Giglio, who is a dear friend of ours, she came to speak to our staff a few years ago, and she goes, hey, Jeff, I've got some feedback for you on the on the on what I saw at the staff culture today. I said, all right, it's your staff, the, the staff here, and she goes, I hey, got good news and bad news. I'm like, all right. She said, good news is this is like a staff family. People love each other. They're really connected. The bad news is, is this is like a staff family. People love each other, and they're really connected if you ever leave be careful it'll crush mm-hmm. you crush your heart for a season and i'm like ah you know jelly i, I love you I have huge respect for you Lily. but you know i don't know she was right <laughs> she, <laughs> as she always is Yeah. and but but what other choice do you have right yeah um so there's prices to be paid when you make decisions like this that's why it has to be bathed in uh, wisdom uh prayer but most importantly obviously you got to get the you know uh making sure this is god's will for your life but the thing that's so great is that wendy and i on all these decisions have been in sync that's awesome. Um, like the biggest mistake i've made uh in decision making in our marriage happened er- fortunately early on i had a real estate property that i had bought that um i'd had before our marriage and so i was going to sell it and Wendy. He- gave me some feedback. you know, some, she, she comes from a real estate family. She goes, I think you ought to do this, this, this. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. So I did it and ended up losing money. And I'm like, okay, now for any decision, what do you, when do <laughs> what do you think? You know, uh, that was a painful decision, you know, 22 years ago, it cost us money, but boy, uh, I was, I went to school on that one. What do you think? And so to be able to walk through this together, uh, it just is a, it has to happen because in those days where you do still wake up and go, like I had one of these days this week, like, cause this is, you know, we're being real. I'm like, gosh, I feel really afraid today. Like, um, is this going to work, you know? Yeah. Um, but to know, okay, we've, we've vetted this decision. And Wendy's like, you're going to be all right, yeah. we're, we're going to be all right. And so I'm like, okay. And then you just keep moving forward. So, so I think decisions like this, um, they need to be bathed in prayer, wisdom, but especially in a spouse and marriage, you've got to be in sync on this yeah. because if you're not, when those hard days come, right. one of you could say, well, I told you we shouldn't do this. You don't right. want to be there. You know,
1: it's just that, that still small voice of either Trish or myself re- encouraging the other going, Hey, yeah. we're in this together.
0: Well, and there's also this. the, there's always the yes, right. When we say yes, but then there's the when. And the when can sometimes be too tied to the yes that we're thinking. Okay, now that we said yes, let's pack our bags. And for our story and planting our second church, our boys were in high school and middle school, Mm -hmm. and getting on the same page at the time. You know, like my timing, we were in Nashville, and I had a strong um, connection of relationships there. In fact, um, a good friend of mine, Jeff, called what you're like the concept you're talking about, um, the thread thread in your life. Like what is the threat of people from different pockets who know you from different angles, you know, speaking. And so we were sitting and you said something. I've never heard that before. Like a a personal advisory team. That's Mm -hmm. killer. I love that. Um, My, my kids probably think they're mine, but (laughs) (laughs) um, we were at a table with good friends of ours in Nashville and Justin started telling them about making this move. And one of my best friends, her name is Eve. And she is like, everything you can think of Italian and she is like robust and funny and she just looked at Justin and she i mean, we just like belly laugh over it now she went off on him like this is the worst decision I mean we just laugh and laugh and laugh but it you know it took you know her time in it and the reason I go to that is there was a season for our family we had said yes to God that we had to lean into the when for our family. And mm-hmm. the when was a different timeline than Justin's. And I had one child who I was hanging my hat on. Cause I knew he would be like, nope, not until such and such. And I yeah. said, yes. And that's right. exactly what he said. He said, good luck. You know, I think he was a sophomore in high school. he's like, um, I will support you and dad. I'll come, I'll come visit you. but I'll come <laughs> visit you. And then like three weeks later, like he came to us super emotional and he's like, I just you know i feel like god has spoken to me and i think that we're supposed to move now as a mom yes that's what i should say jeff wow i was like what no you're supposed to be my kid that keeps me here for a couple more years so
2: um it interesting when your your kids this happens to me all the time you they seem to have more faith than you do you know it's like uh i was telling cole the other day hey man did you see this on instagram Dad, I'm not on Instagram right now. I'm taking a fast from it because it's not helping me be the man I want to be. I'm like, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not yeah. but let me tell you something that y'all did that's really important that I think in sometimes if in ministry circles, we can, and this is true for everybody, but you involved your kids in the decision. And that's a really important thing. And I think um, one of the things Wendy and I've tried to do is to not shield our kids from the hard uh, parts of ministry. Um, they both want to go into ministry, whether they want to or not, you know, that's, that's up to them ultimately, but we didn't want to soften the edges. We wanted them to really see the the good and the, the wonderful parts of it and the challenging parts of it, and then allow them to make the decision. And um, cool. I mean, there are some things our last day that, that we did with our family that I can't talk about cause I'll start crying, but it's just, it's pivotal moments that our kids were a part of. And one of the we did one of the pivotal moments for me is when we were making finally making this decision coming in for a landing and my daughter Jesse looked at me and she said it's time dad it's time. Oh. And, whew, you know, I still can feel that it was in a Mexican restaurant over cheese dip so I can still <laughs> um, um, I can still see that moment right now, but I mean what a great moment for the four of us, but what a great moment for her, you know. Yeah. And um so kudos to y'all for it involving, even though that you got the wrong decision, Trish, at least you got um you processed the decision.
0: <laughs> well, Justin, big lesson that you and I learned when we got out of ministry from the first church plant, and then he got into the business world, we recognized the the difference of um the church world in the business world is here he's at this This company, he's a headhunter and he's, he wouldn't say this publicly, but I'll say it. I mean, he was crushing it, like bringing in millions of dollars to not us, which would have been awesome, but to the company and they, they loved him and they knew of us and his boss was super kind, but the day that he, four years later decided to go back into ministry and he shared with his boss, um, back to what Shelly said, Yeah they were a team and they were a very strong team and they had family aspects of it. But the staff that you had in the church, the family aspects, its roots are, are different in how we know each other's kids and sometimes we're each other's kids, small group leader, or yeah. we pray. There's these like intimate moments that make it really hard to discern um, ministry and business And I've I've heard extremes of like the church is the church. It needs to be the church. And I I appreciate that. And then it's like, it needs to be a business. It needs to be a business with some Jesus sprinkled in. But I really believe it's both. Like if I don't know how to handle finances, if I don't know how to handle leadership principles with my staff as we grow, then I can't do the ministry that God has asked me to do. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about this book, um, that it really speaks into like how to be for in, in these different nuances and aspect of, of leadership.
1: I want to talk just a uh, you know, the rest of our time about the book, the book's called Know What You're For. And quite honestly, Jeff, when I first bought it, I thought it was written to ministry leaders. And I was pleasantly surprised that you wrote it to the business world because I do feel like you have, um, a, a gift mix, like, like a John Maxwell, you know, I know he wrote, you know, the forward to the book, but uh, you, you have that experience and you can speak so well and so um, authentically into both audiences. But one of, the st- one of the statements that you say in the book that I want to kind of dive into is you say, people are more familiar with what the church is against than what we're for. Mm-hmm. That was the premise of the whole for campaign that you guys created at Gwinnett, but kind of unpack that a little bit and just talk about the indictment basically that that is, I, I think on the American church in general, historically and just kind of why you want the church to be
2: known for what they're for. Mm -hmm. As starters, you know, this starting days are really important because you can ask really important questions. And and I think two questions you should ask in those days and not just exclusively to the starting days, but definitely in those days is what do you want to be known for? At the end of the day, you can't be known for everything. You do need to be known for something. What is that? And then what are you known for? So in the early days of Gwinnett Church, I don't even think we had a name quite yet. Um, we said, what What do you want to be known for? And then we kind of took a global perspective. And we said, well, what is the church known for? And someone in that meeting, it was just four of us said, you know, I think many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And we all kind of looked at each other and said, well, what are we for? And we said, well, we're for Gwinnett students and Gwinnett families and Gwinnett kids and we're going at. It. and that's where this whole thing was born and um and so for us i just feel like the church has the greatest i mean i hate this you know i'm a marketing guy so <laughs> i hate to talk in brands but we have the greatest message and we have the greatest brand but we had a brand problem and the brand problem is many people think they're more familiar with what the church is against and in many cases they feel like the church is against them and and dr henry cloud says people can't grow if they feel like people are against them, they have to feel like people are for them. And when they do, they lean in. And uh, I think no wonder a lot of churches struggle because it's a, it's an against a mindset. And so we camped out on that and, and we're able to use that in terms of, we put a sign out You know, when we bought the property, it didn't say Gwinnett church, it just said for hashtag for Gwinnett. And I got feedback from some from folks and I understand this, they said, how are they going to know it's a church? And I said, exactly. They're not going. They're going to have to figure it out. Uh, and then we gave everybody T-shirts, and then, and then, really, in the in the coffee shops, and the grocery store aisles, and the restaurants, and online, people would start talking about Fort Gwinnett, and then they would say, "What is that going to be? Is it going to be a school? No, oh, it's going to be a church? And what does it say, Fort Gwinnett?" And so they were able to articulate the vision. So whether you're a business or church or whatever, people need to. You need the more vision carriers you have, the more vision casters you have. And Mm -hmm. and if I could have all the money in the world to create the best website, or if I could have 50 people that would invite people to church, Gwinnett Church in that case, I would love those 50 people because they're the vision casters. Um, So that's really where it was born out of to go. I want people to know that we are for them, but don't, the, the biggest thing isn't about us. We're for you because Jesus is for you. That's the message. And the most famous Bible verse of them all starts with the word for, for God so loved the world. And I love, my favorite definition of for is to be in favor of. And that. every organization needs to be known to, for what they are in favor of and who they are in favor of. That makes all the difference in the world.
1: So good. This really is personal for us. We, we have a son, um, and he's been public about it. He, if you follow him on Instagram, you know this, but um, he's struggled some ways. He has a, he had, a, I feel like he has a call in his life, and I feel like he has an anointing on his life, and he's had such a white-hot passion for God over the course of his life, um, but he's really struggled in some ways with the mainline evangelical church over the last couple of years, and he's gone through what's called, you've, you've probably heard this term, a deconstruction, uh, process of faith. Yeah. I've yeah. been proud of him for his honesty. He's been yeah. very transparent, very open with Trish and I about it, and just kind of the journey that he's on. But I feel like he has that disposition of all the things that the church in general is against, and how they're, we're called to love the least of these, and yet it's the least of these that we treat the worst in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how have you seen, as you kind of travel speak, and kind of lead, you know, you led at such a high level and such a global level at North Point. How have you seen primarily millennials and Gen Zers um, struggling in their faith um, with the whole institutional church and just the church in general? Have you seen that against um, what the church is against kind of be prevalent in that struggle of faith and equating that with God being against them?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, your son is an example of someone who wants to be authentic and say, let's don't kid around here. Do you really believe this? And I think that age group is talking about, um, is this theory or practice? But you know, this is this is is this really what you believe? Because if you do believe it, then shouldn't there be some action involved in this? And I, so I first of all, I'll, that whole thing y'all need to do a podcast episode on that. <laughs> That's just so great because you know typically when you're in ministry, you're like oh you know no like my dad did the same thing when I was in high school I said I don't you know dad I don't believe in God I, you know and but part of that is coming up with your own faith having a faith yeah. of your own, own you know and uh, my dad didn't freak out um, he actually gave me a book on the civil rights movement and said I want you to read this because when you read this I think you're going to see that there's a there's an invisible force if you want to call it God that it's the, the, the long arm of, you know, justice bends toward, toward justice and righteousness. And I think you're going to see it's God. And I did, I read this book. So I in fact my daughter just finished this book. I gave it to her, um, over the, uh, Christmas break. But I think, I think you're right, Justin. I think there's, but there's an opportunity for Hope City. It's an opportunity for Gwinnett Church. It's an opportunity for all the churches to go, no, we're going to live it out. Yeah. And we're gonna say yes to those who've said no. We're gonna say yes to those who said no to the church. We're gonna say yes to those who've said no to Jesus. And we're even gonna say yes to those who say no to what we believe. Yeah. And when a church says yes to people who've said no, that's a powerful place to be. Oh, and wow, that's
1: so good, Jeff. And
2: and that's what in the early days of Gwinnett Church, I told our staff, in fact, one of the my last days at this, I did this kind of farewell, don't forget this moment speech. I don't know if they will remember any of it, but I thought it was pretty good talk. <laughs> but said, don't, rem- don't forget, for those of you that are around, in the early days, I said this, that if we ever decided to close Gwinnett Church now, I want the community to rise up and protest. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm handing you are two debt-free buildings, by the way, and I don't, don't, don't mess this up, but your job now is to make sure that you're adding so much value to this community that people who don't believe in what we believe would say, I'm so glad they're here.
0: Oh, that that's, makes me yeah. teary-eyed. Yeah,
2: that's so good. That's, that's, called the, that's called, somebody's called it be the light of the world. I can't remember who said that, but.
0: <laughs> well, hey, but I, I got, I I
2: got one more question before Trish
1: kind of takes the, the last few. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned the two questions that you went around the country asking, because that was one of my questions. And the two questions that you say in the book that guide all growth in business are, what do we want to be known for? And what are we known for? And kind of the thought process I had as I was reading that is that's really what a leaving a legacy is. Legacy is when you close the gap between what you are known for and what you want to be known for, right? Right. And so like, if there's a huge gap there, if, there, if you're known for this, but you want to be known for something that's exponentially far away from that, there's no authenticity of that. There's, there's, there's no way you're going to get traction. You're going to begin to leave a legacy personally uh, when you close that gap. Um, one of the things that you have done over the course of you know our years of friendship is you have encouraged our marriage ministry. You've been a part of it. You endorsed our book. Um, how do you see those two questions impacting not just businesses, but people individually, mm-hmm. like the individual follower of Jesus or the married couple or um, parents? Like how, how do those two questions, how can they fit into our everyday lives?
2: It's why the subtitle of the book a growth strategy for work, but an even better strategy for life. That's why I wrote this, because I think these two questions are actually better for you personally. So for example, uh, what do I want to be known for as a dad? Well, I could tell you what I want to be known for as a dad, but you know what you two have to do to actually get the answer to that? You actually have to call Jesse and Cole and you have to say, so, boy, your dad's talking a big game. Um, and, uh, but he apparently he doesn't fast on Instagram like you do Cole. So, so <laughs> wh- is there a gap and where is that? And so there is a gap. There's a gap in all of our lives. We don't need to hide that. We don't no, Nobody's perfect here. But the goal is to figure out where is the gap. And the goal is how do I take action on a consistent basis to shrink the gap? And that's why I think everybody has to have an answer to these two questions personally. It doesn't have to, doesn't have to be anything unique or whatever. But if I go up to somebody and say, Hey, what do you want to be known for? There needs to be an answer, because if not, then we we can drift. Um, and um, a couple of ways I answer this is at first, I want to be for the person right in front of me. So right now, that's the Davises. Um, in a little while, um, it'll be the dry cleaners because I got go to the dry cleaners after this. <laughs> But I, I love them, and they love me, and they give me a Christmas gift every year. And I'll come by with free Chick-fil-A every now and then. I want to be for the person right in front of me. But the other thing I want to be for, I want to be found faithful in all of my roles in life. I want to be found faithful. Jesus said, when I come back, well, I found faith. And that is one of my life verses, because if Jesus were to come back today and look at my online banking, um, my relationships, um, he would find gaps. But I think he would hopefully find me trying to close the gap. Um, with his help. And so that's why I think these, but from a business standpoint, also the reason these two questions are important because the first question is your vision. And the second question is your customer's reflection back to the vision. And when the answers to those two questions match when what you want to be known for is what you're known for. You harness the greatest form of advertising there is and that's word of mouth advertising. Um, But that's, that's, so that's why this is so important for businesses and nonprofits, but these questions I've, I've carried around with me for a while and they bother me in a really good way.
0: Mm, that's great. And I, gosh, man, I'm like, let's, let's do uh, episode number two with <laughs> Jeff Henderson, because there's so much good stuff. But as you talk about that, I, there is this tension and this is for, maybe we'll bring you back to kind of hone in on, on this kind of tension that the, that comes with marketing social media in, in the gospel and how some people um, use it in a beautiful way. Some people abuse it in a really bad way. And then there's people in the middle that struggle if we should, or we shouldn't use it. But that clarifying statement, I want to be known. What am I known for at the heart of the church is the love and hope of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to do whatever I can under the sun to figure out how to make that message so well known and that's when the the practices of your book come into play it's a it's a sharpening it's a a, a listening to the next best step and so before you go i would let we want to ask just you know writing books and season of life it's just constantly changing and so the the whole heart of this podcast is to, you know, get real about life, whether that be in life in love in leadership. What is one thing right now in, in, in your, um, maybe just week today, whatever, what is one thing maybe in one of those areas that has been, um, just resting on you, Maybe like an aha moment or something you're just grateful for, um, in, in that area, where are you in life right now? Maybe something that you've, had like this aha moment, um, whether in relationships or in work.
2: Sure. Well, this season, I mean, um, for me, this is the first time in my life where it's, I'm like the, I don't, I don't like the word boss, but you know, I'm, I don't, I report to Jesus and Wendy. That's who I report. (laughs) to. And I do know this, that when you work for yourself, that's the toughest boss you'll ever have because you have these battles should, should I be working right now or should I, am I working too much and, 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 and all of that? And I'm a goal setter as well. So I have that. So I feel like when early on the Lord, I was just you know praying, journaling, and I felt like the Lord told me your job assignment right now is to pursue peace. Um, because the greater peace you have, the greater provision I'll provide. Mm. and uh because I could now that doesn't mean I sleep in and I don't work hard and um and all that but I just feel like there's a connection between peace and provision for me and so I've actually experienced that like when I've gotten uptight and anxious and everything I feel like things kind of slow down a little bit but when I'm like no you know what my job is my job is to be at peace what I mean by peace in this context is peace knowing that Jesus is in charge. I can trust him. We've done the due diligence. We're following his will. I'm going to be at peace. And then out of the blue, the phone calls and the emails start coming. It's just really interesting how that has happened in these in these few months that when I'm more at peace, it seems like provision is connected. It's just been crazy. And, and that's just my personal experience. Yeah. And it's been interesting also in those moments when I, have those days, like I had one earlier this week about getting afraid and fearful and everything, it seems like things kind of slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so Wendy says, stop that, be peace. we got to get some more provision. <laughs> to yep. and, and I'm not talking, Now, please, I'm not trying to get weird and talk prosperity on that. I'm just saying, when it comes to peace and provision, I just feel like there's a connection because when I'm more at peace, I feel I'm, a, I'm more creative. I'm better. Um, I have better ideas. Um, and as when I'm at peace, I'm not worried. I'm actually m- moving forward. So there, I think Trish, there's this connection, at least in these early days for me with peace and provision. That's amazing.
0: That's awesome.
1: So, um, we're, we'll wrap up this episode, but, uh, we're going to have a little bonus, um, episode or a little bonus, uh, addendum to this episode because you told a story in a message one time on about failure. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories that I hear and, and it, because it does include Chick-fil-A and <laughs> set your role there, but I'd love for you just to share that, that story. We'll, we'll add this later as a, as a podcast, uh, bonus episode. Um, but I think it's just a really cool story. And I think it could really, uh, you know, bring a smile to a lot of people's, uh, faces, just uh, sharing that story.
2: My miserable failure will bring laughter. To <laughs> I, I, was gonna just, I, was, I wasn't going to say it that way, but yes, yeah, Jeff, much thank yes. You. I you were a good friend of mine, Justin. So, um, well, I grew up in Atlanta and so, you know, when they, when you grow up in Atlanta, they teach you to do two things, you know, eat Chick-fil-A and drink Coca-Cola. And I also grew up in Atlanta sports fan, which is a miserable experience, <laughs> uh, but, I thought gosh that's so cool so I grew up I didn't know that you could do sports marketing and so long story short I started working for the Braves that, that was my first kind of real job if you will in 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 their marketing department loved it Worked two offices down from Hank Aaron, the online wow. king, and so it was, it was amazing. So anyway, I wound up at Chick-fil-A as their sports, sports marketing director. I mean, I told Wendy, you know, I have, I'm sorry, honey, I, I can't cut the grass today. I got to watch college football to see if the Chick-fil-A commercials run. I'm, I'm working, <laughs> I'm working there on a Saturday, right? So, <laughs> so part of what I would do is I would take the sports marketing properties like a Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which is a college football bowl game, take our team, And go okay what do we do to create fan experiences so that they can do one thing that's eat more chicken that was my my job so years ago we were in the georgia dome in the summer because the game's at the end of the year and there's empty georgia dome i think what can we do at the game for people to eat more chicken and we had these little cow toys little plush toys and i noticed that the seat i was at there was a cup holder and i thought what if we there's seventy two thousand seats 72,000 pounds what if we get 72,000 cows and put them in the cup holders right when people come into the game that's a great idea so (laughs) but I didn't have money in my marketing budget but I I knew somebody who did his name was Truett Cathy uh, the founder (laughs) Um, he didn't invent the chicken just the chicken sandwich so I got in the car after that meeting and drove down and Truett was in that day and he so I knocked on the door and you know, went and sat down in his office. True had this desk and there were two chairs around the desk, but he, there was a chair next to the desk. And so Truett would wheel up his chair so he could hear you a little bit closer when you said. So True's, you know, just a legend and passed away a few years ago, just an incredible man. Anyway, so I pitched this idea to him and I said, but I don't have money in my budget to do this, but rumor has it your 401k is fully funded. And so I would like for you to write a check for this. And Truett, incredibly generous man, but it was pretty frugal as well. So, you know, he could pinch a penny. And so he asked a few good questions. And then finally said, Jeff, do you think you gotta do this? I said, yes, sir, I think you should. So I said, all right. So he wrote a check for 72,000 cows. I don't even know how much money he wrote that for. Probably, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how do we even I mean, get that <laughs> estimate for 72,000
0: cows? I'm interested in that, but we'll yeah, move yeah,
2: on. Yeah. So, and here's an insight on our marriage to go back to the marriage thing. So, uh, you know, my wife, my wife, Wendy says, you're wow, but you're not how you have absolutely no idea how to get 72,000 cows in the cup holders. So oh I didn't gosh. even think about that Trish so, the same thing to me if she knew that terminology,
0: you look at your kids and they're like, no, dad, we are not in this one.
2: <laughs> so it took two and a half. I mean, fast forward to the December, it took us two and a half days to get all these cows in there. But anyway, fast forward to the game, you know, gates open up, Fans are getting their cows. It's amazing. I'm loving it. So I'm in the press box and the game begins. And it's Georgia versus Virginia. I'm a University of Georgia fan. So you got all these Georgia Bulldog fans. I'm a Georgia graduate. So uh, Virginia gets the ball. They score for seven to nothing. They get the ball back. They score again. It's 14 to nothing. They get the ball back a third time. They score again, 21 to nothing. So Georgia fans are going, Are we going to get blown out in our home, you home know, state here? So Georgia gets the ball back. They're heading down their end zone. They get near the 20 yard line inside the red zone. And an official drops a penalty flag, effectively ending the drive. And the fans in the Georgia section just lose their minds. I mean, they're frustrated already. They're down three touchdowns. And uh, so there's this guy in the end zone. I'm in the press box, right? So there's this guy in the end zone, and he looks at his cup holder and he takes the cow and he throws it onto the field out of frustration. And you can imagine what happens next uh, 20,000 of his closest friends instance, and they throw it onto the field, right? And I, I see my marketing career flash before my eyes, you know, because they, they had to delay the game to sweep all the dead little cows off the field, you know, because of the, the trajectory of being thrown that far from the stands into the, on the field. And so, now I tell people that I know you've had a bad day at the office. We've all had a bad day at the office, right? But I bet your bad day was not broadcast nationally on ESPN, and, and rather. Rather than go to commercial break, no, we gotta stay locked and loaded on this disaster, right? So um, as they're watching these people sweep the dead little cows off the field, <laughs> one of the commentators says, Who is the marketing genius that came up with this idea? Oh, oh my no. gosh. So as a result of that, I became a pastor. That's how <laughs> I <became a>
0: So my question is, one, did you make it in the top 10 plays? Because that's a pretty The
2: not The not
0: top 10. The not top 10.
2: The good news is, Trish, I don't even think they had a not top 10 uh, play. But um, so, so I'm standing there horrified and my boss walks up and you know what he's going to say. It, it rhymes with you're tired, right? And, and David says, Jeff, there's an idea here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, there's an idea here. He goes, imagine if we could get the cows on the field in a different way for next year's game. He goes, the publicity value we're going to get out of this is tremendous. Uh, And he was right. And I mean, there's articles in the paper, much to my dismay, but they were talking about (laughs) Chick-fil-A. And people started calling the home office from from the universe, UGA fans apologizing on behalf of, (laughs) I mean, so all this stuff. But so we got in a room the next week and we decided, you know, what if we do this? What if next year when the two teams run out in the field, we go to the top of the Georgia dome and we put little parachutes on the cows and we literally dump parachute cows you know, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds all over. So that's what we did the following year. And it's been a Chick-fil-A tradition for the last 20 years.
0: That is, that in- is incredible.
2: That is so good. So, I but I tell, I tell people that, you know, if what I thought was my worst day in my marketing career actually ended up being the best. In fact, if you go, you guys ought to do this. You ought to go to the Chick-fil-A headquarters once you can still visit, you know, go to work. And they do this backstage tour. They take you to this room before, to, to hey, here's what we're gonna go to today. Here's what we're gonna do. When you look up, you see parachuting cows and in the, in the ceiling. And, um, and I did the pre-game prayer a few years ago for, for, for the Chick-fil-A game. And uh, I did the prayer, my son Cole was with me and we we saw both teams run out and then here comes these, you know, raining cows from the sky. And I said, buddy, don't ever forget this because the reason these things are falling from the sky is there was somebody, a friend of mine that said, I still believe, mm-hmm. um, so good. Well, let's keep pushing forward. Let's turn this failure into um, success and so, um, so those I've got, in fact, I'm in my basement. I've got some parachuting cows here. In fact, my wife's like, I don't think we need any more cows in our house. But um,
0: I do think that you need to do some kind of you jumping out of a plane with a parachute. And then they like <laughs> put a poster of you with all the cows. So when people walk in, they can tell the epic story of Jeff Henderson. The yeah. Cow. Thank you yeah, so well. much for taking the time to share that.
1: Hey, Jeff. Um, I just feel prompted to do this. Um, knowing what it is to start something to have. We just started, you know, obviously we started the podcast. We started the church, you know, four years ago. You're starting new. I'd love just to pray over you uh, you. and the people that you're going to
2: impact. Is that all right? Thanks. No, I would love that, Justin.
1: Uh, God, we just thank you so much uh, for Jeff and Wendy and just for their faithfulness. Thank you for the influence that you have given them, uh, not just in the church community, but now in the business world. And God, I pray that um, as you continue to bring peace into their home and into their hearts, that you or your provision is right behind it. And that um, even if it's not monetary provision, it's this reminder that you are God that provides. And as Jeff um, begins new relationships, God, I pray that you just um, exponentially grow um, his influence, that you allow him to speak into the hearts of business leaders and to help um, those who are leading companies and leading staff and teams and Um, are responsible for um, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people and um, I pray God that you just allow him to um, help them be healthier and help them be um, better leaders so that they can lead better and so that there's an exponential effect in the quality of life for so many people because of Jeff's call and because of his ministry and so we just give all that to you in Jesus name amen
2: thanks Justin thanks Trish Love Thanks y'all.
1: much for your time.